0: Welcome to the hot level podcast, Kevin AC Padres beat writer for the union tribune. It's Ryan Finley, sports head of the union tribune. He joins me from San Diego. I'm in Toronto. Just, you know, honestly at this point, just happy that the Philadelphia series ended. that's all I, I, that was in doubt at some point. I knew it would end, but like, you know, I, I wondered really, would it, would it ever really end? The longest three game series that I have, uh, experienced, uh, through any rainouts or anything like that, that was just a long three-game series. Uh, Ryan, I know you watched a lot of it. Uh, you're always there to help me out. Uh, what did you
1: think? Yeah, four-game series, four games. I'm sorry, for three days.
0: Longest three-day series of my of my life. Uh, four-game it, series, it, yes. Longest three-day series.
1: First of all, Kevin, I'm I'm so glad to see that your computer is functioning. Um, this is, uh, for those who don't follow, uh, Kevin touched on this a little bit in his newsletter, adding to the rain delays and the extra innings and the poor execution, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, was a technical issue that led you to do one of the, uh, one of your newsletters from your phone, which is, uh, Kirk Gibson launching a home run into the October sky level of heroism from you. Um, which is very cool. Well, thank um, you.
0: But yeah.
1: I'm, I'm glad that you're, uh, I'm glad that you're uh, sane after that weekend and that you're ready to go uh, here into Toronto. Hey, Kevin, when the story of this season is written um, we may talk about this being the weekend where everything sort of became clearer. Uh, this is a team that uh, played great on Friday, uh, blew leads late twice on Saturday and couldn't drive in a run in the extra innings on, on Sunday. Um, To me, it's their season in a nutshell. I don't know what you think, Kevin.
0: I think that's fair. It really is. I think that it's sort of surreal and kind of, you know, it's just as unbelievable as it is that they're here. And it's all these arguments you can make that are are real about how whatever close they are or that they still have the ability to go on a run. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. But here they are. And the way that it went down in Philadelphia is kind of, I believe uh, the story of the season so far, you know, a team that was close and just was never able to do it. And they faced a team that has a really deep lineup. And, and and I do want to go over some of the decisions that were made, some of the things that happened, but it comes back to, you know, Bryce Harper came through. Look, Manny Machado had two hits. They were both home runs. They could, he could have been remembered as having the game winner, in uh one of the games but you know they, they blew that not him but they you know the, the bullpen uh they, they blew that but it was two out of 11 um and 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 it continued a season long you know effort by him by by xander Bogart who was better we could talk about that as well but like the phillies just got hits when they needed to and the padres didn't they're zero nine in extra innings they have lost more games by one or two runs than any team in the majors they're this is
1: their season. Yeah, it, Kevin. When we talk about decision making, uh, I, I guess I go to Saturday's first game um, and uh, Blake Snell. You know, he was somebody. He was uh, dealing as he has dealt for most of the season, um, cruising along. But it's hot. He's thrown a lot of pitches. Um, what was the word used afterwards by Bob Melvin? Was it gassed? Cooked. Cooked. Um, they go to a bullpen. That uh, is the second worst in baseball over the last month in terms of war. Um, A bullpen that has gone from the strength of this team to a really big question mark. Um, There are those who will argue that that cost them the game. Uh, What was Bob Melvin's logic on that? And what did Blake Snell say about it?
0: His logic was that Blake Snell was cooked. I think Blake balked at that word, or I know Blake balked at that word, but I think it was specifically at that word. Blake had gone in not feeling great and, Mm -hmm you know, kind of thought he was going to have, be around that 75, 80 pitches. And he had a really long fifth inning and that was it. Um, yeah. Was it? Yeah. It was the, if it wasn't the first question, it was really high up there on the questions cool. for Bob Melvin after the game. It it happens, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Blake Snell will take a 21 inning scoreless streak into his start here on Thursday. Wow. But you know, that's, it, yeah, I do think it, it contributed to them losing for sure because it creates then longer day for the bullpen. But the fact is, so Stephen Wilson comes in. Stephen Wilson, who you can basically tie his injured list stint, the start of it, to the start of the bullpen cratering. He comes in and Juan Soto, who had a horrendous series in left field, contributes to... Uh, it wasn't, this wasn't the ball that went off the glove, but this was a ball that one sort of like thought he had and wasn't really mm-hmm. running after and then had to sprint and it went over his head for a double by Brandon Marsh, leads to mm-hmm. runs. Um, and then uh, in comes, is it after that was uh, Martinez or Hill, another home run by Martinez given up. And there you go. They, uh, Manny, uh, is that the one where you hit the home run? It looked like they were going to win that game.
1: All right, now they're going to be up two. Yeah, Saturday's first game. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, so, uh, yeah. And then it's like one thing, I don't want to say one thing leads to another, but it's like we, we can blame it on the bullpen for sure. But then there's other times where, the offense doesn't come back, or or doesn't add on to a lead, or then there's like the tenth inning. When I'm talking about decision making, if you don't mind if I go there, I've heard a lot about how Bob Melvin should have walked people in extra innings. Well, it works against the Padres. It's worked a few times in extra innings against the Padres because Matt Carpenter was coming up, or mm-hmm. you know whatever it was. The you know depending on where you were in the, in the lineup, it, it worked, and I, I I saw that argument put out there. So you walk Bryce Harper. In the 10th inning, first of all, that's Josh Hader on the mound, who's allowed three hits to left-handers. Now, it's a left-hander that's named Bryce Harper. Fine. You walk him, you're bringing up JT Realmuto with the winning run on second base, not the tying run. Now, it's the winning run, okay? Mm-hmm. The Phillies have two players with an OPS plus under 111, and one of those is Trey Turner, who started out terribly poor and now is playing like Trey Turner. Right. Do you walk Kyle Schwerber who ends up hitting the, the sacrifice fly to try to set up the double play in the 12th inning? Okay. Trey Turner's coming up. Who's hitting the one double play this season. Mm-hmm. We all think we know right, left. We all think we know, Oh, this is the situation. You um, walk somebody to set up a double play. What we don't have at our disposal, like readily, like Bob Melvin or Ryan Christensen in that point, um, or, you know, whatever is happening in the dugout is all these, all this information that they're aware of. And we, I I emailed this back to a person yesterday who said that Bob Melvin cost them the game. And I said, their top players being unable to produce more runs in extra innings cost them the game. That's fact. Bob Melvin's decisions theoretically may have cost them. That is conjecture that. So look, I'm not taking Bob Melvin off the hook, but it's like, there are reasons that he'd, and for the love of God, score some more runs. They've scored in five of their 13 extra innings.
1: and wow. In five.
0: Wow. Of their nine extra innings games, mm-hmm. at least two of the big four came up and made outs with a runner in scoring position. Okay. That included Sunday. So like, how about if in, um, how about if in two of those five games, one of the big four hit a single, right? They'd be two and seven in extra inning games. I mean, who knows where it goes from there. Right? Like, yeah,
1: go well, ahead. And let's talk about, there's sort of a chain of events here too. And, and, you know, we talk about them winning Friday and I think we spent four words on it, but you know, they couldn't get the final three outs Friday. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because Luis Garcia can't get anybody out anymore. The Padres are going to Josh Hader in a situation where he should not under any circumstances be. Right. They were up a ton of runs up late. Yep. And and because the formula this year has been if Josh Hader can get a save, Josh is going to be on the mound. When they had the tying run on deck, when the Phillies had the tying run on deck, they went to Hader, right? He secures the win. Okay. That puts him down or at least limits him going forward, right? It means that all of a sudden the next day, you're dealing with that situation and you know it's when your bullpen's bad you have to make up for it by pitching your one really good guy a lot and that affects your ability to use him going forward um you know when we talk about Josh Hader's performance even on Sunday right giving up the the game tying hit to Bryce Harper with two outs in the ninth maybe Josh or maybe uh Josh Hader's thrown a little bit better on Sunday if he didn't have to clean up Luis Garcia's mess on Friday and yeah, maybe. i mean Sure. Ifs and buts here. But, you know, it's it, even it seems like even when they win there, this bullpen makes it hard. And this has been a strength of the team all year and it's not anymore.
0: Yes. And then you talked to you started this out by talking about it's a chain of events. How about throughout the first three months of the season, the bullpen, the amount of times they had to pitch in tight contests that Stephen Wilson, that Tim Hill, that Nick Martinez are constantly Luis Garcia constantly coming in. With the game on the line. Mm-hmm. So it's not just that, like, you know, Nick Martinez ranks third in appearances over a certain period of time in the major leagues. It's that Nick Martinez's 29 of his 32 appearances were with the game absolutely on the line. And yep. that does make a difference over time. So look, I'm not making excuses, but like, I am tr- like a lot of it starts with you're supposed to be able to overcome a little bit of deficiency from your pitching. And here's the bonus you've gotten. Way better starting pitching across the board than you had any real right to count on. And yeah. you've wasted that as well.
1: Sure. Can we talk starting pitching for a minute? Sure enough. Joe Musgrove, part mm-hmm. of this rotation. Um, They, they skipped his final turn in the rotation, didn't they? In the first... Uh, before no, the he, Bar-
0: he was moved not moved up, but he pitched on four days rest to pitch That's that right. Sunday game against the Mets. And then he right. w- has not pitched since then. So eight days rest.
1: Right. And the design here was just to give him a little bit of a break based on just what a sort of physically taxing first half of the season he had. Yes. Um, so he, he, he'll get the nod here. Kevin, I know you talked to him the other day. Uh, where is he mentally and, oh. and physically?
0: Nice. Oh, he's, uh, he's back to being Joe Musgrove. I mean, and, and he's become just such a better pitcher that, With all those pitches, I remember back like in 2021. I'll write about it this at some point here. In 2021, uh, and I'm sure like in 2020 and 19 when he was, you know, first becoming a starter. But in 2021, his first year here, he would talk about how like, you know, I didn't have my best stuff, but I was able to grind through. And that was after a, a start in which he went five or five and a third and gave up three or four runs. Well, this year you can he talks about afterward and you can see during the starts maybe he isn't like no no Joe, right? Like he doesn't have his best stuff. And it's six shutout or it's six and one run and it's like okay, that's what aces do. And I know Joe's not an ace because there's probably 10 aces. If you want to be real about this and not live in this world where we say everything's great or the best, there's like 10 aces in the mm-hmm. major leagues. And so he's not one of those. He's, he keeps improving as he has over the last three years. And Joe Musgrove, it is an ace. So mm-hmm. like, because that's what aces do you, if you, if you think that the, the best pitchers in the league always have their best stuff, they don't, they go throw six shutout when they don't have their best stuff. And that's what Joe has been doing. And that's when, you know, that like, okay, you know, what, we can feel real good when he's on the mound. Now, interestingly tonight faces Alec Manoa, his first, Alec Manoa, his first start at home since he was booed off the field after making one out, giving up six runs to the Astros in the first inning was sent down to basically the instructional league there. They worked on his mechanics. Uh, He lost weight. He, you know, he's come back. He made a real nice start against uh, the Tigers um, uh, in Detroit before the break, six innings, one run, uh, and now this will be his first start at home. I mean, this is a guy who you thought at the beginning of the year, you'd be like, oh man, we're facing Cy Young, Alec Manoa, right? Well, now you're facing kind of an unknown, but he does appear based on his one start to have gotten things turned around.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, I think it's a fascinating pitching matchup and a fascinating matchup between these two teams in general. That You know, the Blue Jays are red hot here. Whoa. And it's been basically without Alec Manoa. Um, there are some players on that team I mean, I'm, I'm not afraid to tell you, Kevin, in my previous life uh, living in the state of Arizona, Dalton Varsho for me, was appointment television. I mean, really, guy he, he could catch and play center field. Um, now, I know he's not having a great year, but they are having a great year, even with him down.
0: Okay, so I'm not going to tr- compare him to Trey Turner, but, but it just reminds me of what I just said. The Blue Jays also have seven of their nine most used position players, OPS above 100. Wow. One of them who's one of the players who's not is Dalton Varsha. But right. you know that he's dangerous at the plate. Mm-hmm. It's like, there is no break. Does that sound like the Padres? No. Mm-hmm. There is no break in their lineup, the Blue
1: Jays. Yeah. It's, it, and that's, I mean, even in the, when, we, when they were playing the Phillies, you know, not to, sorry, I'm, I feel like I'm whining here, Kevin. But even when they were playing the Phillies, man, that's a tough lineup to have to get through. Mm-hmm. That is a tough it's lineup ripped. to have to get through. Um, The Padres on paper should be every bit as good, if not better. And just the lack of performance by their big four uh, is, I mean, I think it's the reason why, why they're in this mess. And and you were the first, and you were the first one to point that out like in May. Um, Well, uh,
0: yeah, if I, I don't know, I did feel like I was, if I wasn't the first, I did feel like I was like yelling into the wind because people wanted to focus on Austin Nola and Trent Grisham. Cause I mean, I don't know why exactly that, there was this reluctance to say hey what about manny machado like mm-hmm. like i'm manny's biggest fan i mean you got to understand something that guy's a huge pain in the ass to cover but i will tell everyone and sometimes other reporters look at me like i got three heads i love covering manny machado mm-hmm. i love he made the team i cover better he made the team i cover relevant he does incredible things on the field I could care less that he's a pain in my backside. He is awesome, but I got to hold him accountable that he has not done what he is supposed to do in 2023, and neither has Andrew Bogarts. Um, both of them may be more hurt than they have wanted to let on. Bravo, whatever. Um, Juan Soto, I have a real hard time, a guy with a 420 on-base percentage, you know, discounting what he does, but where's the impact? And then, especially when you have series like this in left field, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I try to take out the fact that he's making all this money and that he turned, you know, he basically put a target on his back when he turned down four hundred and forty million dollars. Like that's a good player, but eh, is that like where? Where is the impact? Mm -hmm. Um, Fernando Tatis Jr. Real hard. Got a one thirty six WRC plus, I believe. um, You know, has played in every game. Uh, that he's since his suspension was over it's difficult to get to down on him but you know what he's chasing a lot he's swinging at everything in the zone not just the pitches that he should be like Fernando Tatis Jr. could be far better than he is playing right now so but, um,
1: and now he, and now he's hurt
0: yeah yeah I think he was going okay but yeah it's something that you got to keep an eye on here with him playing mm-hmm. on the turf maybe he gets a dh day here and mm-hmm. uh but yeah, hurt his ankle on on uh, Friday night. It was it Friday night? Was it Saturday during the? It honest to God, it was. Did I mention this? It was the longest three day series I covered.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's 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 crazy, uh, Kevin. I, there's been a lot out there with some of the national guys writing and, and speculating about whether the Padres will be buyers or sellers. Uh, has I know we're only four games in the second half of the season. Uh, has the results of that Philly series changed your opinion on, on what they're going to do?
0: Well, as if my opinion matters, and here's what I think that everyone should responsibly do. There should be like asterisk when we're right. You know, when you're writing about the Padres and what they might do, All, every one of us should have an asterisk, a disclaimer that says, honestly, have any of us ever really known what Peter Seidler and AJ Preller are going to do? No. All right. You hear stuff from inside the organization and these are people in the know, and it goes the opposite. And it's happened to me a thousand times. I'm exaggerating, but it's happened a lot. Um, it, look, they have, I know for a fact things that these two have said to people or said, um, told people, and three days later, it's changed. I'm not saying they were lying at that time. I'm saying, like, you know what? They run this organization differently, and they talk to fewer people. They're, right. they're, they're, they the uh, Peter Seidler and AJ Preller are not your typical baseball people. There's not a lot of talking going on. So let me just say, we don't have a freaking clue what these guys are going to do. Right. What have they seemed like they're going to do be aggressive. Mm-hmm. I think the question then is how aggressive. And then if it goes poorly, you get swept here or you lose four of six here before you get home. And you've now got whatever it is a week left before the mm-hmm. deadline then do they become sellers but i don't think at this point that they are sellers
1: right they, they have a if you believe the statistical projections here they have about a 1 in 5 chance of making the playoffs um i think logic says mm-hmm. do what you can get guys for mm-hmm. hater and snell uh, two players that are going to be free agents and probably aren't coming yes. back um on the other hand at some point you're all in right i mean this is Kevin. We've talked for months. It, they're all in um, hedging at this point. Is that smart?
0: Um, you mean for the 2023 season? I think it's smart for 23, and I think it's smart going forward. So I'm in agreement Definitely. with you that, yeah. like, I'm not saying it's there yet because I, as as down as I get on this team, because I'm the one who watches it every day, I'm the one who watches it every day and says yes. They can go on a thirty-two and ten run like the Phillies are on right now. They can do that. They can win eight of nine like the Blue Jays have right now. Okay, mm-hmm. and how differently are you feeling if they win eight of nine? And yeah. that's what one more game till they all or till the trade deadline, I believe. And then there, what that means they're uh, a game above five hundred. They're probably mm-hmm. four back in the wild card, and you're screaming, "Get a DH!" You know, yeah. and and so. They are capable of doing that. So I'm not yet saying seller for sure, uh, but I'm with you on that. That might be the prudent thing. As a matter of fact, like to not do so would seem to me like to hold on to Blake Snell. If you're out of it, I don't understand it at all. He's probably the best starting pitcher available.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, would they get a qual? Would they get a qualifying pick or would they get a these, those, uh, those have gone away? Way The
0: new rules are, all they're going to get for hater or snell based on their luxury tax threshold and i'm not you know maybe things change out cuz that's calculated at the end of the year if they dump those guys but i don't think by much as it stands right now they get a pick after the fourth round so it's not after the first round okay it is virtually nothing could they get a great player in the fourth round sure it's a huge drop off from what you would think would be available after the first round. Sure, so, from getting
1: somebody who's the first rounder.
0: Right. So that's what when we when I say, you know, quote unquote they get nothing uh for for just letting these guys walk, that's what that's what I mean. So, it, you know, for all intents and purposes, it's nothing. You're you're giving them up for zero. When you could, you know, uh, if you got the best starting pitcher and the best closer available on the market, you're in a different kind of cat bird seat right like you're yeah right like this is good for what it is it's bad but also remember this if they do get rid of those guys they're they're for all intents and purposes punting on 2023 Mm -hmm. but Fernando Tatis Jr. comes back next year Manny Machado comes back Xander Boger I mean you know Joe Musgrove is still here you Darvish still here however you feel like there's a core the Padres are not rebuilding all right. No. They all absolutely uh, once again, going to be all in for 2024.
1: Sure. This would not be a case of them being cheap. This would be a case of them trying to be smart. There you go. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, did Kevin, Luis Campusano and Robert Suarez, um, uh, two guys who uh, are, are triple as we speak right now, uh, what are the odds of, of us seeing uh, one or both of those guys at some point in Canada? Um. Probably more likely
0: Detroit, okay. But certainly possible. As a matter of fact, Suarez could be. I, I got calls out. I haven't heard. Um, Suarez uh, could be. You know, coming up here real soon. So, sure. uh, but yeah, real real quick with the uh, the catcher and the reliever who was supposed to have changed everything. And and look, Robert Suarez finished last season as strong as as could be after getting his knee fixed. They also brought him along quite a bit in terms of building his confidence first year in the majors. Hopefully that confidence has, you know, uh, carried over at the big contract and look, you can do this. And, and now that uh, elbow is healthy, he hits the ground running because they absolutely need that.
1: Sure. Kevin, uh, I usually put you on the spot at the end, but it seems like we've already done that a little bit with trade talk and everything else. As you can tell behind me, I'm moving in to my new home office. I have a lot of stuff just kind of laying around. Can I give you just a little Padre-related show-and-tell?
0: Yes, as I always remind people, you know more about 90s Padres and early 2000 Padres
1: than than most fans. So this is even earlier. There's a black-and-white photo of Luke Easter of the PCL Padres. Wow. I got this from the San Diego Historical Society. Wow. It's hung in my office in my last job. I've got – I'll give you two more things. The baseball card set from when the Padres were going to Washington. No. So if you can see the, hold on, I'll go up close. Oh, maybe can I, I don't know, hold on. You can see it says Washington up there. Yes. So it's a baseball card set after they were, when they were supposed to be going to Washington. So it's the top set from that year. And this is perhaps the coolest thing I own. Hold on. This is a letter and a ticket. From Montreal, and I was reminded of this because you're in Toronto today. From Montreal, from the day Tony Gwynn got his three thousandth hit. Wow. I actually called ahead of time. This was back pre-sort of pre-good internet, at least. Back when the the World Wide Web was the thing. 1999, right? Is that correct? August 16th, 1999. Okay. um, I'm sorry, the game was August 6th.
0: I was going to say, August 6th because, yes, it was my fifth wedding anniversary. Yes.
1: There we go. August 6th, 1999. Um, I called that morning and I said, "I'm not gonna go to today's game, but uh, I would like to buy a ticket and I would like you to send it to me." And they did. And because again, there were what 16,000 people that game. I mean, plenty of good seats still available. Um, my ticket cost me uh, seven dollars Canadian. Oh, that's great. About five <laughs> bucks. At the five time, five bucks. But here's the best part. So when they sent it, they sent it with a note. Okay, dear sir or madam. On August 6, 1999 at Montreal's Olympic Stadium, Tony Gwynn from the San Diego Padres made history in his first plate appearance, reaching his 3,000th career hit plateau. The highlight came off right-handed pitcher Dan Smith, making Gwynn the 22nd major leaguer to reach this mark. You ordered tickets from the August 6th game, and we are pleased to send them to you, along with this letter certifying their authenticity, signed by their ticket office director, who had the world's... Most French Canadian name, Hubert Richard. My favorite. That is just a perfect little exclamation point on that letter. Your credentials as uh, a lifelong Padres follower.
0: Very complicated relationship you have now as a member of the media. Yeah. You know, but 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 your credentials are one hundred percent unassailable as a lifelong Padres follower.
1: Yes, it's uh, and and it is a little complicated. Although the Padres being a little disappointing this season feels more familiar to me. Uh-huh. Um, so you know, when we, when we can sit there and talk about teams that have disappointed and players that are that have disappointed, I've got I've got a little <laughs> bit of a photographic memory of that. Um, anyway, at some point, Kevin, it, I will get around to hanging all this stuff behind me. But I wanted to show you. I, I thought was magnificent. I can't
0: wait to see that office in person. I'm sure that I'll be invited at some point.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, that'll do it. I think Kev. this seems like a good place to jump off. Huge series. Kevin, we've been saying it for two months. It seems like a huge series <laughs> and uh, it'll be uh, fun to see uh, if the Padres can answer the bell against a really, really good uh, Toronto team. Uh, Kevin Skydome, your thoughts, 20 words or less.
0: It's fantastic. It really, real? is. Uh, And and I, I'm grading it on the curve of it being in a dome. But it right. is
1: fantastic. I love that. I love that. Kevin, have fun in Toronto. Uh, and we will talk next time before the Padres series against the Detroit Tigers. That's uh, that's another show, as they say. Uh, for Kevin Acey. I'm Ryan Finley. We'll see you next time.